is not a time where we're gonna feel sorry for ourselves. We'll find our way through this. This is gonna make it all the much more sweeter when we get to where we wanna go. Martinez back on the track, near the wall. She's done! It's a grand John Kepler lines that in the air to left center, Hicks on the run, dives, and he made the catch! He made the play! Oh my goodness, what a catch from Aaron Hicks to end it! In that sense, both looking forward to making a deep run into postseason and ultimately bringing home the title back to New York. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Yankee Center podcast, your central hub for the men in pinstripes, hosted by Thomas Smith, Hello. Eddie Sabata, and Luke Becker. And my yelling parents. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how are you all doing? I'm all right. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. How about you, Eddie? Pretty good. Solid. All right. Obviously, there is a lot to talk about. And when I say a lot to talk about, I mean one thing that we can talk about for hours. Yeah, a new art just that. opened down the street for me. <laughs> oh, did it? I'm so pumped, man. I mean, that's about the only news that has gone on this week. There's uh, nothing about- else of significance that has gone on. What about the trash grows? Anything on them? Oh, they, they, they're irrelevant. But okay, I guess we could talk about them for a few minutes if you so Might desire. Well. <laughs> All right, guys. Obviously, this scandal has been huge, and there's, there's so much we can really talk about with it. But the more I think about what it, what the hell um, went on? Yeah, and like I'm just gonna clarify the punishments quick. They got um fined five million dollars. Oh. They lost their first and second round picks for. 2020 and 2021. Bang, bang. And, uh-huh. And Lunau and Hinch got suspended for one year. And honestly, it it's hard to think about what they could have done, but it doesn't feel harsh enough. It really doesn't. In the words of Michael K. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you guys think? Do you feel this is harsh enough? Because to me, it just doesn't feel like it was enough. You know, I, there's nothing that I would rather see than see Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, and Carlos Correa crying. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, like... Uh, it is. I mean, what, what, what else could they have done? I mean, forfeiting a title doesn't really change anything for me. I, I mean... Like, I saw, I saw the Yankees lose to them. So, like, you can't, you can't get that back. Well, yeah, it's more about... That yeah, case, it's unfortunate they, because... We ain't the NCAA here. I mean, <laughs> we're, not, we're not vacating titles. We're not taking... We saw, we saw them win the World Series. We just, didn't, we just didn't realize that they were a bunch of cheating a-holes about it. Oh, that's true. Thank you, John Boy. <laughs> yeah, shout out to John Boy. Uh, great job. He was basically him, Ken Rosenthal, uh, Evan leaders, I would say, of this investigation, but... Another thing, like, when the penalties first came out, I guess I was just happy that they recognized that the Astros cheated, and I saw the well, yeah, well, one-year suspension, so I guess it was initial rush of happiness. But now, 
I mean, I understand why they couldn't suspend the players because, like, all yeah. the hitters did this. So, what are you going to suspend to every single person? Yeah. Beltron's the only person. I mean, I wish, but, like, <laughs> it's just too much. Beltron's the only person, the only player listed in the report. So, I understand some sort of discipline for him, but I guess they granted him immunity uh, for his interview. But mm-hmm. it's so, just. Like, yeah. Brian, Brian McCann was on that team, too, and he just retired. So, like, but Brian McCann was a name. So, I mean, Carlos Beltran, I feel like he – wasn't he rumored to be, like, the ringleader, too? A, a, a lot One of, of them, people. yeah. Like, yeah, I think it was him and Cora. That came up with this entire system. Like, that's what mm-hmm. it's, that's why his name was out there. He was he, he exactly. was a at the time, but he was the one that helped Cora come up with this. Exactly, and that's why he was named as opposed to the other players. And really, exactly you right. know, what bothers me, I feel that – I've been saying this to you guys for like a while now. It feels like baseball is so corrupt right now with Manfred. It really does it because I'm absolutely positive when I say that there is more to this that they are not telling us. I, oh. I'm 100% certain. Oh, and there's you know one what? other thing too. I don't think if, if the John Boy video and the Rosenthal re- report doesn't come out, I think, Nothing would thing, have happened. I think this gets swept right under the rug. AJ Hinch is still it the was. manager. Jeff Luno is still the GM. Exactly. I think they, exactly. yeah, I feel like they revealed like they, they made it to a point where like this just couldn't be. Silenced. Once it became public, they couldn't not do it. Yeah, there was exactly, they had to start it, and don't. if they walked away, giving them slap on the wrist, that would have been a bad look. Which this wasn't a slap on the wrist, Losing but at the same time, two years in a row. Yeah, that that'll That's hurt their farm hurt. system too. But I was exactly. reading an article about how the firings, how they actually now they might benefit the Astros because now they can get started on a GM search earlier a manager search earlier, which makes sense. But at the same time, are you guaranteeing that they're going to find someone as good at their job as Hinch or Lunau? Because no, they're the best at their job. They cheated, but at the it same hurts. time, they developed – well, I don't know about Hinch, but I'm assuming he was a good manager. Lunau, though, he was seven games. But Lunau, for example, they tanked, obviously. But you have even though they're first-round picks, you have to hit the nail on the head with these picks, and he did with Bregman, uh, Correa, all these other guys. Altuve signed out of nowhere. So he did a great job as GM, but who knows the next GM? He's not a guarantee to replicate that success, but he is starting with a great team. The team didn't go anywhere, besides Garrett Cole, of course, he's a Yankee, but the rest of them are still there. It's still a very talented team. So they'll still be in the playoffs, I think. I don't know how much this will affect them, but we got to see. Yeah, this is definitely a playoff team, but, you know, even with with these punishments, the thing with the, the draft picks even, for example, they still get a comp. I'm pretty sure I, I was reading. So they're still going to get a first round pick essentially this year. That's not taken away. Ooh, fuck them! Like they're losing their their actual first round pick, but they have um a comp round oh. pick in that first motherfucker. So really, I, I could be wrong, yeah. but I'm pretty sure I heard a, a few people say this online. So if that's the case, it's like they're not even getting punished that bad for twenty for twenty nine twenty twenty. You know, yeah, they should have got their comp pick <laughs> taken away too. Yeah. They should, absolutely. Like, they should have taken both away. Like you can't pick within the first, like, 90 picks or something. Exactly. So something along the lines like, of that. Don't, because come on. That's like the loophole. Essentially, it is. Sometimes. and It really does. And another thing, too, um, like you guys were saying, they've actually known for a long time. 2018, they literally sent... MLB officials to Houston to go see the investigate the trash can banging because they heard about it 
before then. Who knows how long they'd known about it? And they weren't going to act on it, even though they knew that was a thing. Baseball's doing some shady stuff. They're trying to cut, like, 40 no. teams, mm-hmm. 40 minor league teams. They're a shady. Yeah. Or, they're a shady organization. Let's not be. Let's not. Let's not be stupid here. Uh, they. They. No, you're. Right. They're dumb. And it's. It really isn't. And beyond that, I do think that um, in 2020, the Astros are definitely still going to be. Like Eddie was saying, they're going to be in the playoffs. As for how far they're going to get, it's up for debate now because last year. The Rays, they came close to out beating the Astros. In Garrett the Cole series. won them that series. Absolutely. The Rays were competing the entire way. And just think, now they don't have Cole. Now they don't have Will Harris. Now they don't have Wade Miley. Their rotation is a lot thinner, and you don't know what's going to happen next year. <laughs> and in the Rays, they're getting better. They're only getting better. So keeping that in mind, are the Astros even – I hate the are they better than the Rays right now? It's up for debate, honestly. Yeah. It really is in an odd way. I'll tell you for sure. Can't forget the Sox either. You can't forget the Rays. Can't forget the Sox. Can't forget the A's. The yeah. Angels too. There's more. Co- even the Twins now. Yep. Twins and Indians too. You can't. You can't. Yeah. Even the Rangers too. The Rangers got better. They had a Kluber. Yeah, they got. Their, their big acquisition was the Todd father. Let's be honest here. Oh yeah, of course. I love Todd Frazier. I will always love Todd Frazier. He is one of my favorites. I will never forget his cheap three-run home run to right field. That was <laughs> I don't know how he hit that out. I still don't. Awesome. I'll never forget. I was at that game, and I was thinking, I said, if he hits a home run here, this is going to be the turning point in the series. And It I was. Mean, it, it was. And it turned again. Yeah, and then when we went back to Houston, then that was brutal. They went out with the bang. I wonder why we lost. They won if they weren't stealing signs, so it's tough to think about. Steal our signs. Really, it just comes down to one play because these were close games that they were in. And, you know, CC Sabathia talked about that on R2C2 with Ryan Rucco. These were very close games, and they easily could have been decided by this sign stealing scandal because it takes the littlest things to make a difference. It really does. One swing changes everything. That's my line. Too. Absolutely, that's my line. And it's 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 accurate. It's an accurate line. I always use that line in our group chat during during <laughs> during the season. One swing, one swing. This game will change. One swing. One swing. Well, expand that over a seven game series, man. Yeah, one sign, one trash can bang, a bang, two bangs or one right. bang. <laughs> no bang sometimes. That, bang. that means fastball. All right. So another thing I got to talk about is Alex Cora because he's obviously part of the scandal as well with the Astros, but he has his own scandal now with the Red Sox, and um, they're still being investigated right now as we're doing this podcast. According um, to JD Martinez, they did nothing wrong. Yes, and I will say unbiased, him, unbiased source. Look, <laughs> him coming out and saying that if he was, if they truly did something wrong. Would he really go out there and say with the utmost confidence that they did nothing? Because that's to make him look. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking too. Unless he didn't know about it somehow. Hope they find something now. Exactly. So maybe they didn't. I don't yeah. know. But that if you know that's a big vote of confidence, and you're putting your reputation out there to some level when you're saying that. So right. him doing that honestly had level of significance in my opinion. It really did. Maybe nobody told JD. 
Yeah, unless it was a secret from him. <laughs> you imagine? They had a secret society. They <laughs> 24 plus JD. I mean, he didn't need to cheat. That guy's a stud hitter yeah. anyway. He didn't need it. They might have kept it from him. But either way, Cora, obviously, the Ash, what he did with the Astros, that's really what got him in the most trouble. I don't even know what was happening with the Red Sox, but he had to be fired for what happened with the Astros. How is that for a quality start? <laughs> I hate you Alex Cora. With oh, I always hate yeah, him. Yeah, even, even before oh, I, I knew any as, of this. I don't hate him as a person. I just hate I just hate him. Like, his attitude. His attitude yeah. is what he manages. He just frustrates me. Like, just an, like he's just kind of a he's kind of a, 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 a an a hole. Him and Bregman. Him and Bregman. Bregman. Just his cockiness. I just I hate oh, it. It infuriates. But me. that I can't take that interview when he had to really like obviously couldn't be that cocky. It's just great to see him have to like keep it all inside. Then Altuve. Oh, we'll be back in the World Series oh soon. God. God, you know how you know how pissed they're they're making this into an. Underdog story. I guess right you now. can say they might have been a little buzzed. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I made you a Infuriating this is that they're trying to turn this into an underdog story. Look, yeah, absolutely insane. Keep doubting us. Like, the oh 100 win so AL runner up. I mean, the runner up underdogs. Look, they are. They should not be able. To, let me rephrase. They shouldn't be saying this stuff, and they should be—they should know better because this is just a bad look. The on Astros them, PR team, it really is. They, no, they're horrible. They have to be horrible because this is a an even worse look on them. From now. the Tosman thing, <laughs> their PR team stinks. Absolutely, like, and, they had the but, the remember they kept reporters out because they said something mean about Verlander. Yeah, they're just really bad at this. They should really <laughs> get better. They should hire Jason Zillow. Yeah, the Astros PR team. Jason Zillow was very good. Just give Jason Zillow like a billion dollars. Right? And just say, hey, bro, fix this for us, thanks. Because, like, we're bad with people. We're good with the numbers, bad with people. Oh, my God. But really, one thing that has been really entertaining to see is the absolute outrage throughout the league right now on social media. Somebody's like, getting plunked. Everyone- they're going no. Some they're absolutely going to get plunked throughout the season. Like, look at Mike Clevenger. He's saying his motherfuckers shouldn't be able to look me in the eye. Like, like he is so pissed over this. And I don't have like, more bruises than apples, man. <laughs> like, I can't even. Like, people, I've heard some people say, you know, they can't get plunked because you don't know what players were involved in this. All the thing of them. Is, hit them all. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Almost all of them were likely involved, and yeah. at the very least. They're going to plunk someone like Bregman and Altuve. I'm sure of that. If you hit all of them, you have a 100% chance of hitting one of them that was involved. <laughs> see? Uh, Play the odds. You see that that Play the odds. Your logic right there. I'm not, I'm not a mathematician here, but <laughs> I am dumb. But hit them. I know the odds. Just hit them all. Don't, don't hit them in the head. Don't go for the head. What you do, Altuve is a speed guy. You hit him right in the ankle. Boom. Point made. I mean, without Tuve, you're going to change your angle a little. He's pretty short. But yeah. <laughs> you go. You either go knee or you go ankle, or you go buttocks. Ooh, knee would hurt. Oh, make sure he doesn't crap for a month and right and right in the cheek, right in the tibia. No, that tibia is in the leg. My bad. Yeah. The, the 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 butt bone. What what's it called? What's gluteus maximus? Glu- the gluteus maximus. There you go. There we go. My bad. I'm sorry. Yeah, 
I'm dumb uh, sometimes. <laughs> All the time, actually. Okay. Um, I wanted to ask because do you, Alex Cora is going to get in significant trouble, more so than Hinch, because with the Red Sox, um, with the whole Apple Watch thing, I remember reading that they sent a whole warning throughout the league, basically saying, don't do any of this kind of crap again, or we are going to come down hard next time. And the Red Sox decided to go ahead, potentially, and do this kind of stuff again. Oh, so you mix- yeah. So if you mix that with the Astro scandal that Cora was involved in, are you maybe looking at a lifetime ban? I don't think it's out of the question. I, I tweeted really don't. that. I tweeted that a few days ago. I was like, well, if he did it twice, shouldn't he get banned? Because like they it said, might be three, they said, technically it might be three times. Honestly, oh Jesus Christ! In a technical sense, yeah. Alex, you have an addiction, buddy. I mean, so, go like, seek out. He's out. I think. And now you got you got Beltron in trouble too. Beltron lost. Yeah, and I like I Beltron. Only... And I'm sorry for my I'm dog only... barking. <laughs> I like Beltron. Beltron's a Hall of Fame baseball player. Yeah, me too. Well, I already yeah. saw now. Somebody they said they're not voting for him for the Hall of Fame now. So I don't. Yeah. I don't think that's warranted. But... I don't either. I think he's a Hall of Fame player, but I mean, come on, man. You didn't need to do this. Look, it, it definitely shouldn't affect his candidacy because of the fact that he's not going in as a manager or coach into the Hall of Fame. He's going in as a player. And how much did this affect his career? Almost not at all. It was 2017, the final year of his career, in which he was just trying to win a yeah, ring. Exactly. Does it affect his that was career? The la- that was the last thing he needed. Exactly. And his career numbers are barely even affected by this whole thing so i really don't think it should affect his candidacy although i can understand it to some level on a moral sense if you believe that him cheating morally disqualifies him and that's important to you okay that's valid but no i think he should absolutely go in in my opinion you don't think anyone else in the hall of fame has cheated <laughs> there's been a number of them I'm sure. i mean come on now Let's not let's not let's not be dumb here. Let's be honest here. There are some people in the Hall of Fame that got in under questionable suspicions. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Craig B Craig Biggio, Mike Piazza, Jeff Bagwell. Piazza, yes. I admit I use steroids. But not on my body. So where? You don't want to know. All right. I'm not going to ask anymore. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm so yeah, I, I assumed you were kidding. I am, edit, I am editing that out. Man. Okay, so we're not going to that out then. No. No, no. no they, they have to hear this now. The, the people have to know. They don't call it human growth hormone for nothing, right? <laughs> and another right. wild thing with, with um Trout getting that rumor on him with, oh the, my with the HGH. <laughs> Trout. I mean, he was going fishing for some anabolic steroids. Look, MLB came out and spoke about it, saying that they haven't allowed that since 2006. But I will say it seems a little suspicious that I, I don't think Scott Bros has done any reason. And also, um, Trevor Bauer came out and spoke about it, too. And he said he heard, he's heard the same thing. So that seems a little odd to me, you know? I I... I... I don't understand why a muscly guy 
could use more muscle. I mean, look at Barry Bonds. What is life? Yeah, Mark, is life? Mark McGuire. You tell me Mark McGuire needed steroids? No, he did not. I I could use some steroids actually, to be honest. I mean, I'm quite skinny. <laughs> yeah, I definitely. I don't. I don't, I don't need, need it for ba- I don't need it for a baseball career, and I certainly don't. Don't you know how steroids shrink your? Uh... I certainly don't need that because <laughs> I'm I'm very single at the moment. So I mean, I look strong, and who knows? Who knows what could happen? Who knows? Maybe I'll become a pro baseball player. All right, well, or or a pro badminton player. Who knows? Yeah, hey, anything's possible, Tom. Anyway, listen, I'm... I have I haven't slept in what in a good twelve, fifteen hours. Okay, eighteen hours, twenty four hours to be exact. I am losing my mind. <laughs> I have completely lost my mind. All right, well, Tom, I'm going to end the We are. I'm here. To interview Brian Hoke, MLB.com, Mission 27. I'm super excited about this. All right, guys, um, let's get to this interview. Um, no, I think let, let's talk baseball. Cool. Yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Go for it. Well, I got to ask, the big punishments finally just came out recently. What are your thoughts on these punishments with the Astros and Alex Cora and Beltron getting fired? All of it been a wild week I, I can't remember ever being so glued to every single update in the month of january and this is typically the time where we're talking about uh pitchers and catchers getting ready for spring training and um yeah it's definitely been a different week i think that uh, the punishment i thought was appropriate uh considering what they did i know that there were limitations on what they could do um i know a lot of people wanted to see championships overturned and players disciplined and I I didn't think either of those was really going to happen but uh, the one that surprised me the most was I think the Beltron situation because only the Mets could figure out a way to get penalized in a scandal that they weren't involved in in any way (laughs) shape or form and and lose their manager so that was wild to me Um, I think that Alex Cora surprised me. I didn't know the depth of his involvement and the fact that, I mean, you read that report and um, it, it really points the finger at him. I, you know, I, they go after Hinge and Jeff Lunau, um, but Cora's really the one who's uh, got the scarlet letter on his back, I think, as a result of that. And, you know, yeah. I, 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 I'm, I think we're all kind of still trying to sort out what to make of it, but. Uh, when a guy like CC Sabathia goes out and says, in his mind, the Yankees won the 2017 World Series, I can't say he's wrong. Um, I really can't. Yeah. I, I, I would love to know how that all plays out if everything is even and, uh, you know, above board. And clearly it wasn't. But, uh, you know, I was there that night, game seven in, in Houston, and watching CC cry at his locker, and a bunch of other guys were very upset. They believed they were a better team that year. They couldn't understand how they lost to that Astros team and I guess now we know uh we're always going to wonder what what if what what if uh that had gone differently I agree absolutely that 2017 team was really special and you know you had Todd Frazier speaking out on that recently saying how what could have been and that team really got close and they won every single home game and if they just won one of those many close games that they had on the road with the Astros Mm -hmm. we might be talking about a 
totally different scenario there. It's crazy to think about. Yeah, games one and two in that series both decided by one run. And, you know, yep. as CC said on his podcast, that's that's one hit, that's one pitch, that's one sign that if, uh, you know, they don't get that sign, who knows? And, uh, you know, I think it, it calls everything into question now, too. I mean, you go back and you watch – uh, the 2019 ALCS and Chapman giving up that home run to Altuve was something up there. I don't know, but I, I think that you watch that and we all kind of we were watching that clip of Chapman coming off the mound and kind of smirking. Uh, now that we know all this, what was he smirking about exactly? Was it kind of <laughs> like I how like how could they know what that was coming? Uh, I, it you know, it's unfortunate, but it definitely uh, now now your mind kind of goes wild there and you you start to pile up all these what ifs because um yeah we don't know we just don't know and, and we never will mm-hmm. oh, man it, it it was not it was it was a bad pitch but i mean if he knew it was coming i mean that that's that, that that's not i mean hanging pitches is one thing but knowing when they're coming like it, it can make it can make a pitch it can make a good pitch look like it was hung. If they know it's coming, you know, they can hit it. For sure. And, uh, you know, if you look at a lot of these Astros um, home and away, I saw there was a graphic of their batting average in the postseason, I think during 2017, and um, the the home numbers were much better than away. I I don't know what to make of it. Um, I think we're all kind of still sorting through it, but uh, clearly you read that commissioner's report, and it's it's pretty damning um, what they were able to uncover. And, and now, you know, the conspiracy theories went wild this week, too, on, on Twitter and the rest of the Internet. And um, is there validity to that stuff? I don't know. MLB apparently investigated for uh, the buzzers and mechanical devices and didn't find anything. But uh, the fact that so many players have talked about it pretty openly now, um, you yeah. know, it, it's almost like open season on the Astros. <laughs> oh. Speaking of open season on the Astros, like, Michael Kay said something really interesting, like when this when this stuff first broke, he said something along the lines of like people throughout baseball, they do not like the Astros. They do not like the people running the Astros like they wanted to see these guys go down like like you've been to Houston before. Sure. Like, do you feel did, did you ever feel that like like they they have like this air of superiority about them? Like, have you ever felt that? Yeah, I, I, I can't claim that I've spent a whole lot of time in the Houston uh, clubhouse, so I, I, I'm probably not the best person to ask about that. But I, I will say that there is a certain um, uh, arrogance is probably not the right word, but a, a cocky confidence uh, in the way they do business. And, uh, you know, if you read that book that came out, Astro Ball by Ben Ryder, um, which I read cover to cover and I thought was fascinating, but now I guess he needs to make an update on that. Um, (laughs) I I, I think that they were very much an organization that knew they were good, um, believed in what they were doing. And if you were in the way they didn't, you know, they would run right over you. And so, I mean, look, it worked. They, they've been a great team. They've, certainly backed it up on the field and now that this stuff is coming out that all kind of goes into question but you can't argue with the results and and obviously they've got a, a very talented roster um a cocky roster i think very um very sure in what they were doing but um i, I think that there was certain level of arrogance um in the front office you remember the thing and that happened with the brandon taubman incident in the postseason mm-hmm. this year and 
um, how the organization responded to that. And, and eventually they were forced to backtrack. And um, so that's that's what's most fresh in my mind as a an argument against the Houston front office and the way that organization is run. And, and that's in the report, too. You know, Commissioner Manfred talks about um, the the atmosphere around that club and how it was problematic. And so, look, they got wins on the field, but at what cost? And I think uh, the the fact that Jim Crane, the, the owner down in Houston, uh, dismissed the GM and the manager, uh, this gives them an opportunity to get it right. And they're going to have to clean it up because uh, now, like I said, it's open season on the Astros and there is certainly going to be magnified attention on everything that that, that team does. Mm-hmm. One thing that certainly bothered me was when they asked A.J. Hinch about the cheating before the whole investigation started, and he acted shocked like he never heard about it. Obviously, he had to deny it at the time, but now, as we know, what truthfully happened, it's just, it's just so frustrating to see like how, yeah. angry, how angered he I was. I was in the room when they, uh, they talked at Yankee Stadium about the whistling. Uh, that press conference was at Yankee Stadium and, uh, this past year, and he was very dismissive and kind of laughed and yeah. Said it was ridiculous and uh, whatever else he said. And, um, you know, doesn't seem so ridiculous now. And that clip is going to be played forever now because that is, that is, it wasn't a great look then. And now it's a terrible look now, knowing what we know. And I'm sure AJ Hintz is probably going to manage again, I, I think. Um, he'll probably get another shot. Alex Cora could get another shot. But uh, certainly, like I said, there, there's black marks on their names at this point. And uh, it's going to take a while for that to fade away. Yeah, I think that I think they're forever. To be honest, this is this is huge. This is a huge scandal. Yeah, for sure. What about someone like Beltran? I think he deserves another chance because I don't know. It was a whole cloudy with him. He was one of the players, so he was he was the only player named in the report. So I guess that makes it controversial. But still, I don't know if the Mets should have fired him. Uh, I don't. I think he will get another job somewhere. I don't know as a manager or at a front office. But I wanted to hear what you thought about that. I really hope he does. Um, I, you know, it's too bad the way this all went down. Cause I like Carlos personally. He's always been very good to me. Um, you know, I, I've covered him for dating back to his Mets days. And then obviously his uh, three years with the Yankees. And uh, he was always seemed to be above board, very smart about baseball. I mean, you know, I, when this started coming out, I, I started thinking about, this year, 2019, when he was in the Yankees front office. And if you remember, there was a James Paxton pitch tipping incident earlier in the year. And um, he was very uh, adamant yeah. that they wouldn't have found this if not for Carlos Beltran. And so sure. he definitely helped the Yankees this year. To what extent? I don't I, I it's hard to quantify. Um, you know, at, at this point, we haven't heard about anything as far as video and uh, other than, you know, the above board video and. Beltran's very good at, at code breaking, sign breaking. He was always a smart player. Um, you know, you you hope that uh, the Yankees did everything the right way and are not going to get entangled in this uh, the way the Astros and Red Sox have. But I think that every team in the majors is trying to find an edge. And uh, the problem now is the technology is moving so fast. How do you enforce this? How do you keep up with it? And that's uh, that's really what MLB is going to have to do here over the next few years is to really come through with some concrete way of enforcing this and i think this was a good start in that look if you go against what the rules are here you're going to lose your manager and your general manager and so that that's a pretty significant punishment i think and um you know like i said some people want to see championships overturned some people wanted to see players punished but i think the astros and the red sox here are we've got what about 21 days till 
pitchers and catchers, the fact they don't have a yeah. GM and, and a manager, that's a pretty significant penalty, and they're certainly going to be starting from behind here. Yeah, absolutely. There's no denying that. And 21 days or so in, until we get to that point, Yankees got a number of things, actually, they got to think about, too, with their own team. And one thing I want to talk to you about, actually, is one of their few competitions they have, and this one is referring to the lineup. They got Andujar battling Geo, people say. However, to me, this battle is actually more of an Andujar versus Talkman battle because I think Geo's got third base locked down. Pretty much to me, it's going to be whether or not they value the defense more, which is top, which is what Talkman is absolutely going to bring as he was one of the better defenders in the league last year or Andujar's potential all-star bat at that DH slot with Stanton you see that as a real battle? And if so, who do you see coming out of that victorious? Well, that's an interesting way of looking at it. I, I think that, don't forget here, rosters are going to expand to 26 players this year. So I think they're going to use that yep. extra spot on a position player, which could be Andujar, because the Yankees are already at 13 pitchers. I don't really see the benefit of them going to 14. Um, so we were talking to Aaron Boone about yeah. this during the winter meetings, and he talked. He said that he would prefer to use that spot on the position player. So I think that's going to open up the spot there. Um, the fact that you're not going to have Aaron Hicks uh, until June, uh, potentially, I think Talkman's in my mind, a lock to make this roster. I think that the fact that he had such a big year last year, uh, can play all three outfield positions, that's huge for this team. I think Tyler Wade is going to make this team if he's uh, still on the roster. I think his versatility gives him a spot there. But um, as far as Andujar goes, I think that bat is going to speak. And if he can come back and be what he was in 2018, if he can look like that guy, um, I I think that's going to be really hard to turn down to have on this roster, especially since you have that extra spot there. And who knows how much Stanton's going to actually be able to play the field. But the idea going in is that he can play left field, uh, at least on a part-time basis. And that would open up DH for Andujar. And clearly, Urshela's better with the glove than Andujar. So I, I think that I agree with you that it, it is Geo's job to lose the third base. But I want to see Andujar on that roster. I want to see that bat. We didn't really get to see it last year. Uh, when he came back from the injury, he wasn't right. Uh, you could tell that wasn't what he really is. And this is a guy who finished second in the, uh, the yeah. rookie of the year voting. He would have won it mm-hmm. if Shohei Otani wasn't around. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to see more of Miguel Andujar. And I think he's going to be on the opening day roster if he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. expect all, all of those guys to make the roster. I just, it, it's just it's just a matter of who gets like the, the share of the reps who gets the most reps out of out of out of i guess the three guys if you count geo but like the yeah. two main guys if, you, uh, if we're counting talkman and uh and are so i i it's 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 tough it's it's a tough it's a tough because you got a gold glove defender and you've got an all-star bat which which do you value more here for sure. And and so I think that, look, it's a nice problem to have. And if we learned anything from last year, these uh, these questions seem to answer themselves. You know, when you have 30 guys go on the injured list, hopefully uh, Eric Cressy can clean that up and they won't have to deal with that again um, to that extent. But, um, yeah, I think going into spring training, if that's your main battle, you're in pretty good shape. If that's the one question mark is how many at-bats can you give a guy like Andujar? And, you know, how much is John Carlos Stanton going to be able to play? I mean, those are two pretty good problems to have uh, at this stage of the mm-hmm. offseason. And I guess um, the other question going in would probably be who's your fifth starter going to be? And 
Um, is it going to be Jay Happ or is it going to be a guy like a Jordan Montgomery? Can Davey Garcia work his way into the mix and Michael King? Um, these are these are fun problems to have, yeah, considering mm-hmm. you look at that rotation, the top four are pretty much answered already. And so, yeah, go ahead and go battle out for the number five spot. And uh, that'll give us something to look at in spring training. But um, yeah, you got to feel good about this team's chances of winning the World Series the way it looks on paper right now. I agree. Like, do you like have you heard anything about Hap getting traded? Because I know that's been like a bit of a topic because of his money. Like, have you heard anything about that? Uh, not much since the winter meetings. And so what I, my understanding is the Yankees gauge the interest out there. There wasn't a lot. Um, I, I think the teams are not exactly clamoring to take on that contract. Um, considering he's coming off a disappointing year. Uh, I think they could keep Hap into spring training, let him battle for that number five spot. There's nothing preventing them from keeping him into the regular season too. Um, you know, there will always be a team in need of starting pitching at some point. And, if the Yankees are going to dump Hap now, you're selling low. You're going to have to eat a lot of that money. So I'm not surprised that nothing has really developed here. Um, but look, I mean, let's say for argument's sake, he goes into spring training, wins the number five spot, pitches pretty well his first few turns through rotation. Suddenly you're uh, you're at May 10 or something like that. I'm just making up numbers out of my head. But uh, say you're at May 10 and somebody has a devastating injury to their starting staff. You know, maybe you cash that in and you can suddenly – get something of value for him. And so, yeah, I I think that there's really no harm in having an extra starting pitcher going into spring training. That's a nice problem to have, too. Oh, you can never have enough depth. We were starting Nestor Cortez and Chad Green. Exactly. Uh Now we've got Davey Garcia and Mike King. So it's quite nice. It's quite nice. And Clark Schmidt, too. Yeah, for sure. It's nice to have that depth. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So another thing I feel like we hear a lot about as fans is how close, and I'm sure you see this firsthand also, it's how close the group of guys are in the clubhouse. So we did lose a couple of big guys that I feel like are instrumental. We hear a lot about CeCe uh, being one of the longest tenured Yankees. He's gone. DD, we just know he made a huge impact. He's gone too. Um, the clubhouse can't really, I mean, it can affect how you play on the field. So I wanted to know if you think that maybe that'll hurt something or it'll take some adjusting. I don't think so. I, I think that um, it helps that you bring back Brett Gardner. That helps with the continuity of this team. But um, the more I've seen over the last two years, I mean, this really has become Aaron Judge's team. And he is a leader in that room. I don't think you can discount that. And um, that's just going to continue even more so now. I think that Didi was a fun guy to have around. He kept things loose. You know, guys like to hang out with him. And he could, uh, you know, he had all these videos and the emojis and everything. He was a fun guy to have around. Uh, CC was kind of uh, a lead. He was not kind of, he was a leader in that room and guys definitely followed him and, and respected him, but he's going to be around anyway. He's going to be in this front office role now too. So, um, you know, you won't have him on the mound, but he'll still be around the ballpark. So um, I, I think it's different when you're one of those 26 guys in that room and traveling on the planes and stuff, but I think Garrett Cole is going to come in and, and be a leader. I think guys are going to look to him. And, I mean, this is a team that gets along with each other. Um, I, I mm-hmm. don't sense that there are any problem areas in that room. If there are, they take care of it very quietly and uh, they move on. And I think that everybody in that room takes their um, kind of lead from Judge in that he's very much business first. The job is play winning baseball, win the World Series, go out mission and if they fall short as they did this year and you heard what judge said after the alcs the season was a failure i think that 
that rings of Derek Jeter to me. And so that oh, leadership yeah. has kind of continued. I mean, there's different faces. Baseball is always going to change. And But I think that as far as that room is concerned, the mission is the same. And uh, this team is as well-equipped as any I can remember since 2009 to, to be the last team standing. And I think they're going to yeah. do that. I agree. I totally agree. I, Absolutely agree. Aaron Judge has absolutely been instrumental in that clubhouse and obviously as a player with his MVP caliber talents. And the question is, because I've had a couple people ask me about this, is there any point you consider naming this guy the captain? Because Yankees have – I could be wrong. I believe they said at one point that they're not sure if they're ever going to name another captain again. But I think that if this continues and let's say they win a World Series this year – you have to consider that for Aaron Judge. You really do, because this guy has been so important to this team's success. Maybe. Um, I, I think he's already the captain in my eyes. I, I think he is, oh, yeah. he is the mm-hmm. captain of this team. And as far as I'm concerned, it's not official. They haven't named him that. But um, when I look at this team, this is Judge's team. And so, that I mean, look, he's the guy with the uh, the judge's chambers out in right field. I mean, there is he is definitely part of the furniture here. And um, mm-hmm. he's, he's a big part of where this team is going. Um, the turnaround of this team. So, yeah, I, I, you can name it, I guess. You know, it's, here's a history lesson. Once upon a time, the Yankees also said they were never going to name another captain after Lou Gehrig. And you know how that worked out. So uh, they okay. did. And so I, I think that um, you don't necessarily have to have a captain. I, I know there's a lot of major league teams. I'm not sure how many teams actually have one right now. But, yeah, captain or leader, I, I think Judge is their leader. They look to Judge and – um, I, I think that uh, even if they don't want to slap a C on his chest next to that Nike logo that's going to be there, um, you don't have to. I, I think that everybody who's in that room understands that Judge is one of the leaders of that team, and um, you better you're either with him or against him. And if you're against him, you better leave. So I think that uh, you don't necessarily have to have the press conference for Judge. He's he's already the captain in my eyes. I mean, if you have a problem with Judge, I don't think you want to fight him. To be honest, exactly. <laughs> All right. So so I guess like what we're talk like you can see Aaron Judge's impact. Like it's like it's something that you can see. I mean in twenty eighteen when he went down, he it was like it was like like someone died, honestly. It was it was it was the worst experience of all time seeing him get hit in the hand. And I, I guess like after that contract he's getting a contract extension eventually. It's just a matter of time. So I guess I guess what I would do is I, I would just after he signs that contract extension, then you make it official. Yeah, that might be the way Brian Cashman is going to go. Um, like lock him up, make sure he's here for the rest of his career, and then say, "All right, you're our guy." You know what I want to see from Judge? I want to see another 2017. I want to see a completely healthy wire to wire year from him, and um, no extended stays mm-hmm. on the injured list. I, I it's. He's got such talent. He's so much fun to watch on offense and defense. I just want him to get through a season and not have to sit out four to six weeks the way he has the last couple of years. And, um, yeah, if he can just have another year like 2017 where he can go wire to wire, I mean, the sky is the limit on him. Oh, man, I would die for I would die for that. Give him I mean, 500 at bats. And, and I remember thinking oh. during his rookie year, I you know, and obviously Judge is a guy who – uh, you cringe every time he dives for a ball or runs into the wall or flips over those uh, short seats at Fenway Park. I remember thinking, like, 
look, he's a good defender, but he's so much more valuable to have that bat in the lineup. I wish they would just DH him so you could guarantee you're going to get 500 bats out of that guy. But then, you know, you never know if a guy's going to get hit in the wrist. Um, you know, that that certainly can happen, too. And so, uh, yeah, his injuries yeah, were batting. His yeah, were hitting. So. exactly. So the injuries have actually not – I mean, he messed up his shoulder a little bit in 2017, and that was a defensive play. But uh, the other ones have been freak kind of – injuries that you you really couldn't do much about that in the oblique and so mm-hmm. um yeah you, you just hope for a healthy year out of him give him 500 at bats and i want to see where he goes i mean gold glove defender that could hit 50 homers and get on base 40 percent of the time there's you not take that people, there's not many people that do that you uh, take that on your team in fact there's nobody that does that to right. be honest so so i mm. guess i guess the next the next question we have is like what are your thoughts on like this overall team? I mean, obviously they improved the rotation, they brought Guardy back, but they lost Didi Glaber's our new shortstop. Well he's not sort of new, but he's the official shortstop. I guess what what are your thoughts on this overall team? The depth, the bullpen, the rotation, all those everything. I don't see how this team doesn't go to the playoffs, go deep into the playoffs. And look, if they don't win the World Series, I'm going to be surprised at the end of it. Um, I, I think that, you know, you hate going into a season and saying it's the World Series or bust, but it really is with this team. I mean, if you're going to go out and get the best starting pitcher on the market in Garrett Cole, throw $324 million at him. And since Hal Steinbrenner came out and said he expects to win multiple world series during that well now the clock starts and so Mm -hmm. i I think that that's completely fair now to say this team is built to win the world series that's the expectation if they fall short um it's going to be a disappointment and it it was last year you know judge said that i think that it was a little bit softer when you talk to guys like aaron boone and brian cashman they understand how hard it is to be that last team standing and um you know you get to a sixth game in the alcs that's that's pretty good but this team this year Look, if they can stay healthy, they won 103 games last year and they had everybody hurt. <laughs> I mean, yep. what if they had had everybody healthy? And so um, I, 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 I put it to you this way. I'm not making any vacation plans for October. I'm going to be very busy deep yeah. into the month. And uh, I expect to be covering a World Series in October. Put it that way. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I, I live for that. I live for that. Same. So. <laughs> Brian, uh, you're not only a reporter, you're also an author. You wrote two great books, uh, Baby Bomber and Mission 27. So I got to ask, is there plans for book number three? (laughs) We had a book signed, ready to go. We were going to do, Mark Feinstein and I were going to do a follow-up to Mission 27, which was going to be Mission 28, I guess. It was going to be called Next Man Up um, on the 2019 New York Yankees, but uh, they fell what, five wins short, uh, six yeah. wins short. So it didn't work out, but um, would love to do another one if uh, the story is right and um, if the opportunity presents itself. Uh, you know, I, it's so much fun doing a book because you can really kind of dig in. Um, what what I do day to day, it's so much of it is news is breaking, get it out, you know, as fast as you can. Tweet, whatever, just get it, get the story online because, you know, look, Yankee fans, they are insatiable. They want to know what's happening immediately. But what was fun about both of those books was kind of going back into stories we already knew. Like uh, with Baby Bombers, we knew that Aaron Judge had come up and taken over the team from Jeter. Um, with Mission 27, it was 10 years later after a World Series championship. What was fun about that was getting back with everybody, sitting down, having long conversations with them about 
all right, what was really happening behind the scenes? What did we miss um, when we were kind of hurrying to get the story out the first time? And yeah, I mean, we got some great stories on both of those. And so that's really fun. It takes a lot of time, um, you know, obviously, but for somebody who loves baseball the way I do, I mean, I, I love hearing stories behind the scenes and kind of getting to tell those stories the way they should be told. And when you've got 250 pages or so to do it, you can really kind of detail it and um, kind of you know, paint the picture. And so that those were both very fun. I'd love to do another one. Um, we'll see what presents itself. You know, you guys got any ideas for the next one? Oh, I think, I think, I think we'll just hold off for mission 28 this year. Garrett Cole, yeah. world series MVP. We all know that. Shit. We all know this. Yeah, imagine if they did win the World Series last year. Oh, that would have been one hell of a book. Though. It would have. Really, that would have been a. They would have had to adapt it into a movie, man. Yeah, that. Honestly. Oh, next man up. Oh well, didn't happen, but that would have been a good one. Or maybe yeah. would, I think it was the tagline was going to be like the inside story of a savage New York Yankees season or oh. something. It had something to do with savages. I forget, but oh well, we'll never know. I would have loved it. But yeah, of course. so close. All right. Another thing I've been meaning to ask, actually, um, a couple people I've been talking to have talked to me about this, too. Um, the Yankees have had three different managers since the since the um, 90s dynasty with Torrey, Girardi and Boone. And obviously all three are very distinct and different managers in their own ways. And I read about that in the um, Inside the mm-hmm. Empire book from Clappish. And that was really, really fascinating part of the book for me. And I was just curious because you're someone that has covered all of them. Um, what are your thoughts on the differences between each of them and what do you think makes Boone such a great manager like many people have said Clapp had a great line in that book and I, for, I I'm gonna botch it but it was something like Boone is the cool dad Girardi was yeah. the stern dad and Tori was kind of the checked out dad and that was completely true um in every way um you know I I was on one of these podcasts uh, when that book first came out and they asked me all right so which dad are you and I said, I would like to be the Girardi dad, but I'm probably more the Boone dad. And so, um, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, these, these things go in waves. Um, they really do um, as far as it's funny when you watch a team change managers, they usually go for the exact opposite of what they had. And mm-hmm. so Tory was kind of this very much a player's manager. Um, you know, he'd be in his office until almost before first pitch watching the horse races on tv you know very resistant to the advanced numbers uh that they were trying to feed him from upstairs and um you know you're not going to see that kind of manager anymore you're not going to see a joe torrey or a jim leland i mean uh, tony la russa la russa was more a numbers guy but uh, you, you understand what i'm saying you're yeah. not going to see that kind of manager who's larger than life and my way is the highway that um, old school yeah. go by the gut guy. Exactly. He, he's yeah, you're not going to see a manager managed by his gut anymore. And, you know, we can we can debate if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But uh, the timeless orders of the world have, have gone to the Hall of Fame and uh, are not in dugouts anymore. And so Girardi was just very kind of clenched fist intensity. Um, Binder Joe, they used to call like him. You know, he was one of the first analytics guys. And um, so they mm-hmm. were. Yeah, I, I thought that Joe ran a tight ship. You know, this team always worked hard under him. I remember them wanting, running wind sprints in the rain in spring training. I mean, he ran his team like a military outfit in a lot of ways. And um, mm-hmm. that was not necessarily a bad thing. I, I know that 
No, Certainly okay. some of the players didn't love it, um, especially in spring training. You, you want that to kind of operate like a country club because they want to get to the golf course or do whatever they do. And um, oh, yeah. yeah, so um, that I'm, I think that act could wear thin, but look, it got results. And if you it go did. back and look, Joe never had a losing season as Yankee manager. And in my opinion, the best managing job he did was that 2013 team, because that go team look at forward. that team. Oh. It is a terrible team. I mean, <laughs> Lyle Overbay, Ben Francisco, Jason, Vernon yes. Wells. Jason, yeah. oh, it's just a bad Yankees team. Somehow he got them to 84 wins. So, I, I mean, one of the great, it was, it's one of the great managing jobs of all time. Maybe that's the next book. Maybe I should write about the 2013 Yankees. That was next man up light. Oh, my gosh. That was the preparation for next man up. That team stunk (laughs) and somehow won 84 games. And and you had Jeter not playing the whole year. um, Yeah. We had A-Rod, though. Yeah, you did. Um, so th- maybe that's the next book. Maybe uh, that would be a fun one to go into. Think about it. That'd be good. <laughs> it was an interesting team. Yeah. Uh, you know, wait, these guys were Yankees. Um, so Luis Cruz, remember that was the year they had about 25 third basemen. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> Chris Nelson, I, Brent Lillibridge. Jeez, man. Yeah. I'm a, this team, the, the 2020 New York Yankees, here's my bold prediction, will be much better than the 2013 New York Yankees. There you go. You I sure hope so. That's as old as it gets. My sister's softball team was a better baseball team <laughs> than the 2013 Yankees. That's funny. But um, to get back to your point, I thought Joe ran a tight ship. I just think that the message um, kind of it, it wears thin after a while. Ten years is a long time in any job, mm-hmm. uh, especially in New York. And so it was time for a change, probably. Um, it sounded like everybody had kind of made up their minds in that. And Boone. You know, for not having any prior experience managing or coaching at any level, has really done a great job these first two years. And he has, um, he really has. I think he, you know, I, I certainly didn't think Joe Girardi needed to go, but now that Boone has kind of made the job his own, I see him as, you know, the Yankees manager. This is his job. It's his team, and um, mm-hmm. he's done a great job with it so far. He's the right man at the right time for this team, I think, and he's just getting better at it. So. Um, you know, I, I've been very impressed seeing him day to day, and I think that he kind of checks all the boxes that this team needs right now. And so, and I thought that last year, um, he he was more comfortable in the job. You saw that when I, he was kind of going out there and, and fighting umpires and um, you know savages <laughs> in the box rant and all that. Yeah, I was there, <laughs> but that was not the only time he did that all year. So I thought that he was getting much more comfortable as big league manager, and so. I, I just expect that to continue. For mm-hmm. sure. I, I mean, in the playoffs, I mean, he in game two of the ALCS, he got Paxton out of the game. In right. 2018, he left CC in the die, basically. Right. So, I mean, you, you see improvement from him. And, and I, I, I think, think part of that is, um, you know, in that specific instance, you do have to uh, deviate from the script a little bit. And I thought that in 2018, yeah. he was very scripted going into games. It was like, all right, we're going to use this guy for this long. And no matter what, and, um, he was very hesitant to, to deviate from what they wanted to happen. And there was more fluid fluidity, more flexibility in 2019. And I think that just comes from experience and trusting yourself a little more and, and recognizing, for example, that Sabathia thing, that if you don't make a move, uh, you you see things going bad. They can go from bad to worse in in a in a hurry, and so mm-hmm. you have to have the the confidence in yourself to 
you know, make the move that you think is right at that time. And maybe he sat on his hands too long in 2018. I don't think he did that very much in 2019. No, he went out. He went after it. Yeah. I think you have to be aggressive as a big league manager. If you're passive and wait for the game to come to you, um, you know, I, I don't think you're going to get where you want to be. Yeah. Mm. Oh. Oh, okay, I'll go next then. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, like, I guess I guess we're talking about, uh, like, are are the Yankees looking to make any 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 extra moves? I mean, they've got Garrett Cole. I mean, that's that that seems to be it. But like, have you heard anything? Are they are they looking at anything else? I think they're always interested in upgrading if they can. I don't think it's urgent at this point. I think that mm-hmm. Cole was their big off season move, and um, that you know, it's funny. That was probably what the press conference was somewhere right before Christmas. And I mm-hmm. remember thinking, all right, Brian Cashman's got two months to just chill now. Um, <laughs> I mean, this is done. And so, look, I mean, they're going to continue to shop around and see what they can do if they can upgrade anywhere. I think that you could talk about um, a lot of minor league signings, you know, camp invites, guys. You know, you'd probably want to see some infield depth if you could. Uh, they've made some minor league moves to bring in catching depth. Um, I think it's going to be small stuff from now until spring training. And um, the big thing is making sure that all these guys are healthy, ready to go for spring training. I know that Aaron Boone has been down in the Dominican with a bunch of the, uh, the training staff checking on guys like Andujar and um, just kind of getting eyes on them and making sure that they're ready to go for February 12. And I mean, I'm excited about it. I can't wait to get down to Tampa. I can't wait to see this group. Um, I feel like they're going to, come in hungry, especially in the wake of this Astros stuff, uh, because I, I could argue that no team has been more negatively affected by the Houston thing than the Yankees. And oh, man. Uh, I, I think that uh, this team is going to come in hungry and angry. Um, I'm looking forward to this weekend at the baseball writers dinner in New York City when we're going to have CeCe Sabathia and Justin Verlander sitting two seats away. And I want to see if there's going to be some fireworks with that one, um, getting those guys in the same room. So Get Ruko over there with a the mic. Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, let's let's mic that up because I want to hear that. And so, yeah, I think that uh, it, it's definitely going to be a fun year. Um, no shortage of storylines, and that's that's good for business and as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Mm-hmm. But we already talked about the injuries to the rotation. Frankly, injuries everywhere. But the Yankees, obviously, as Tom talked about earlier, had to use the Chad Green, Nestor Cortez combo. So hopefully the injuries aren't as bad to the rotation. Hopefully Cole never gets hurt. Hopefully he pitches every game for nine years straight. But injuries are inevitable. So, And the Yankees, I think they like the opener. So do you think that Chad Green's still going to be the opener if they decide to go with the opener? Will they do less openers this year? I think it depends on what they need at the time. And as you said, if everybody's healthy, you don't necessarily need the opener. I think that it's not your first choice. Uh, they were doing it because, not because they thought it was a cute idea, but because they, they yeah, thought no that was else. their best chance to win on any given day. And so, look, if you have a healthy Garrett Cole and you have Luis Severino back for a full year and Tanaka and James Paxton, I mean, where does the opener fit in here? And so – if those guys are healthy, I don't think they'll use it as much. And as we mentioned, you know, you've got a full stable of guys. I think that Montgomery is going to challenge Hap in spring training. He should be mm-hmm. better coming back. Um, you know, having the full off season to train after Tommy John, and so they're going to push each other. But you always need starting pitching at some point. I think they're open to the opener idea. They used it a lot last year. The results were pretty good. I think. 
Um, yeah, they were. Yeah, uh, they they had a really good run of success early on. It kind of petered out a little bit at the end, but um, I think Green can be that guy if they need him to be. But I don't think it, you go into a season thinking, uh, can't wait to use an opener. Um, I, I think that <laughs> I'll take a starting pitcher who can go give me six. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Absolutely. Uh, anyway, um, I wanted to ask because obviously the Yankees just – Although they did retain Aroldis Chapman, they did end up subtracting from their bullpen with the loss of Dallin Batances, which I know Tom is heartbroken over. He's told me many times. I'm crushed. (laughs) I haven't haven't slept in weeks. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, with Dallin being gone, my thought process has been, did the Yankees let Dallin go because they feel with their new pitching coach, Matt Blake, and the new analytics they're really trying to adopt into their – pitching development that they can develop a lot more relievers than even compared to before because I think a guy like Jonathan Loisiga could really be a big breakout candidate or a number of guys they have down in the minors in the bullpen. Brian, you there? Oh, oh did we lose Brian? Oh, <laughs> Well, let me DM him, of course. It's all right. This will be edited out in editing. <laughs> you do the home Oh, man. Oh, weird. Oh, shoot. I'll, ask, I'll tell him to try clicking on the link again. Yeah. You're lucky I'm a good editor. <laughs> that was the most depressing thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hello? Question. Hey there, Brian. Hey, sorry, I dropped out. It's all no, that's okay. <laughs> um all right. Did you catch my question at all? I'm a good no? editor. We're yeah, good. you wanna team me up again? Yeah, yeah, I got you. Um I was asking because we were on the topic of Chad Green in the opener, and with the and right now the bullpen, obviously it's very strong still, but they did lose Dellen Batances to the Mets, and Tom is absolutely heartbroken over this loss. He's very we've upset. went over this, buddy. Yes, I know. However, cross. <laughs> he wasn't there for that possibly, so I'm just refreshing your memory here. Anyway, um, obviously the Yankees added Matt Blake as their new coach and they feel that he's going to have a big impact on that pitching staff and I think that their thought process might be in part that they can develop another guy like Dallin Batances maybe not to the same scale necessarily but they could develop a number of high impact relievers because Yankees have a lot of guys with high velocities good throwing arms and I think he might be able to do some magic with some of them and I think they'd rather have that guy making 500k like Loisiga dominating as opposed to a Dellen Batanzas making a decent amount of money. What do you think? Well, hey, if you can guarantee me Jonathan Loisiga will make four all-star teams the way that Dellen did, I mean, I, uh, I think they, <laughs> oh, yeah, they'd be all for it. But um, I think it's always easier to throw a starting pitcher in the bullpen and watch that stuff play up. You know, the, the example that comes mm-hmm. to my mind is Phil Hughes in 2009. And he was yeah. kind of struggling as a starting pitcher a little bit. You put him in the bullpen and Suddenly, he's letting it go and thrown in the high 90s, and he was a big part of why that team won the World Series that year. And so, so I, I think you can see that a lot when 
you put a starting pitcher in the bullpen. But remember, most relievers are failed starters anyway. I mean, Mariano it's Rivera true. is the perfect example of that. And uh, that mm-hmm. seemed to work out pretty well for everybody. So yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think that Dellen will be a tough one to replace. Um, just his presence in that room. He was oh, such a good dude and um, really enjoyed having him around. But as far as the 2019 Yankees were concerned, they didn't have him at all anyway. And so um, I don't think it's going to be a huge loss from what they had last year since he threw, what, a third of an inning? So um, It was a filthy uh, third, though. Yeah, it was. It was good. And then he hurt himself again, unfortunately, coming off the mound. And so, um, yeah, I, I you root for Dellen. I, I hope he does a good job across town. And who knows, if he does great, maybe the Yankees go re-sign him again. Um, we'll see what happens. But I think that going into the season, the bullpen is not a concern of mine for for this Yankee team. I think they're uh, they're pretty well set with what they have. Mm-hmm. All right, so I, I'm a big Clint Frazier fan. What's going on there, man? I mean, they've got they've got four outfielders. He's the fifth outfielder. He's not even an outfielder. He can't play the outfield. They might as well move him to first base or something. All right, what's going on with Clint? Hmm, you're the first person I've heard suggest first base for him. I think I oh, still that was in series. That was in series. Uh, okay. I, I still <laughs> think he's an out. I th- I think he's an outfielder. I. I think he's better than what he showed last year i don't know what was up with that but you know coming up through the farm system you never heard well the bat's great but the defense is horrible and no, no you never heard that at all i mean he, i heard no, mike trout comparison he's not going to win any gold gloves and he's not a center fielder but i don't think he's going to hurt you the way he did last year and so i think that might have been a uh, residual effect of the concussions maybe he's a little gun shy out there uh, maybe his confidence was shaken early but everything I heard from when he was down at AAA was that he was working his tail off down there. He was really getting after it. and um, I, I think that, unfortunately for him, I just don't see the opening here unless somebody gets hurt. You know, he's going to go into camp and compete for reps in left field and right field. But, look, Judge has got right field unlocked. Stanton, they want to play left field. Uh, if Stanton's not playing left field, it's going to be Mike Talkman. Talkman's a better defender than Frazier, and the bat is just as good, I think. And so I think Clint's bat plays at the big league level. Maybe he could DH a little bit if you need him to. But as we talked about earlier, I think they'd rather see Andujar in that role. And then so I think that sends Clint back to Scranton if he's still on this team. And uh, I think that if they were if they felt there was a way to trade him and get some fair value for him, uh, they would. I think they're open to that. But I don't think it's a necessity. It's not like oh we got to get rid of this guy right now. Um, they're not in that situation. You know, you just feel bad for a guy like Clint because he wants to be at the big league level. He wants to show what he can do. I think the bat is good enough that he belongs in the big leagues. But uh, for the team he plays for right now, he just doesn't fit. So, you know, he needs he needs an injury or, or something else to happen so he can get the playing time that he needs. Mm-hmm. I don't know who Tom loves more, Clint or Dellen. It's a very close competition. But... Oh, it's, Clint. it's Clint. Clint? All right. Uh, well. it, okay. Big Dellen guy, though. Anyway, so I know we were talking about the, the very, very bold prediction that the 2020 Yankees would be better than the 2013 Yankees. Which, very bold. If that's I not true, to go out on a limb for that one. That's not true. <laughs> Something went very wrong. But I want you to get bolder. Give me your boldest prediction for the 2020 season. Yankees win the World Series. Do you want more than that? <laughs> it could be for a player. I like it. Could it. Be for a player, anything. I will be covering a, a parade through the Canyon of Heroes on November 1st or whatever day you want to throw out there. That, that's my bold prediction for, for this, uh, this year. And um, yeah, I, I think that 
I mean, I could probably make up some bold predictions for some of the players, but that's the ultimate goal. And I, I think this team is good enough to do it if they're, they stay healthy. I think that it certainly helps, by the way, that Houston is getting damaged by this. The, the Boston is, appears to be on the way out. They're talking about trading Mookie Betts, possibly. Uh, I, I think the path is wide open for this team to – to get to October, go deep in October, and uh, look, when you add the best pitcher in the game, the best available pitcher in Garrett Cole, um, expectations should be sky high. And so if this team's not the last team standing, I will be surprised at the end of October. I agree. It's really hard to disagree. This Yankees team is built together really well. They have everything they need. And like you said, Houston is going down right now. They only subtracted pretty much this offseason for the most part they lost will harris they lost uh, uh garrett, garrett cole, cole obviously yes the he, big one he, he was all right he's like yeah a good he's starter. all right <laughs> and even um all the people overlooked this wade miley was really important to that team in the first th- first half of the season he was big mm-hmm. he was dominant yeah. but yeah. when you look at their rotation now it's a little empty towards the back end so i think that you know the yankees have obviously gotten stronger houston's gotten weaker boston is weaker and uh, you can go throughout the league and, and look, I think that, yeah, sure. Minnesota's getting better. They, they went and got Josh Donaldson to yeah. really be to, because the Yankees keep kicking their tail every year in the postseason. Yeah. <laughs> Donaldson is there to make sure that doesn't happen. And so Tampa Bay is going to be tough. I, I think and obviously uh, Toronto will be better. I think they could compete for a wild card in that division. Baltimore is not going to be a threat to the Yankees. Um, Glaber Torres is going to fatten his numbers again against the, uh, and uh, drive Gary Thorne insane again. So it's going to be a yes. fun year. It really is. I, I think that the path is wide open for the Yankees to win the division, uh, to go into the postseason, make a lot of noise there. And like I said, Canyon of Heroes, I'll see you there. Yeah, thank you so much for all of this, Brian. You've been awesome in this interview, and I, it's really been great. Very interesting stuff there. Thank you for everything. I hope so. Cool. Thank you for having me. Appreciate <laughs> oh, thank it. Thank you. Thank you so much. You got it. See you guys. Yeah. See you. All right, everyone. And that was our Brian Hoke interview, and I'm looking forward to seeing you all, see you all next time. Peace out. See you, everyone.